Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Neela. And it's Wednesday. Hey, y'all. We are in New York City. Yes, we finally made it to New York. And as you guys know, through heavy, heavy stalking, we have finally secured... Sean King and his wonderful wife, Ray King. So thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah. Happy to be here. And it wasn't stalking. It was, it, it, at the very least, it was pleasant stalking. Oh, I'm so, so glad you feel out. that way. You know, <laughs> yeah. We've seen unpleasant stalking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure y'all have. I'm sure y'all have. Um, if you guys don't know who Sean King is, I don't know where you've been, but he's a social activist, journalist, father. Ray, his wife, is a diversity director, educator, Mom. mother. Like us. Um, so we're just really excited that you guys came on. Um, our community is pumped as fuck. Uh, (laughs) Um, so thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you guys know, our stalking skills have, uh, really. It's not like creeps. (laughs) It's not like straight creeps. Well, you know, persistence. (laughs) Persistence and consistency gets you where you want to go. But honestly, um, you guys, we have been discussing this for a long time, and there was like a a manifestation. We talk about manifestation a a lot on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, as you guys know, we started this thing, just the two of us. Um, We were not really podcasters, and now we're here. And there was one day she's like, did you know Sean was following us? I was like, Sean who? She's like, Sean King. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> and, and, and so the stalking beca- began. Um, we discuss very candidly our blackness, uh, how much that affects us as, as mothers and, and motherhood, as women, and, you know, as raising two black daughters. Black daughters. And so um, this, is, this is very important to us. This is very special to us. We're really happy to have you here because you, we appreciate your work that you do and um, how transparent you are because I, I feel like there's not a lot of... Um, People doing what you do, and um, I commend you for that. It's super necessary. We're in a very strange time of blackness. Uh, to the naked eye, it could seem like, oh, everything's becoming so diverse and, you know, blended. But you know, that we all know that's that's not always true. Mm-hmm. No, especially, like, I think, um, you know, there are some markers by which you could say, oh, look at all the progress we've made. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a black president and all these other kind of things. But what I see, in, especially in my diversity work, is we haven't unearthed like the deep stuff. You right. know what I'm saying? And right. I feel like that's the time we're in now. We're not asking for and, you know, thankful for our ancestors who 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 did demand the water fountain access and the school access and all those kinds of things. But now we're we're digging deep in and saying, like, what what are you thinking about? What's in your mind? You know what I'm saying? Where are your biases? And, like, doing that work, it's unearthing some ugly stuff, you know? And people don't want to unearth the ugly stuff. But mm-hmm. you can't get to uh, you can't get to the, the end goal without uh, really discussing the root. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Which really fucking bothers me. And the generational <laughs> trauma of it all, Yeah, you know, and why we do the things we do and react the way we react, you yeah. know, and unlearning things just within our community. Yep. And as parents and as people and trying not to pass those things on to our children. Yeah. So. I know you all are interviewing us, but now you said something and I have a question for you. Please. So I'm wondering, like raising two black girls and talking about unearthing the generational stuff and the trauma. Like, have your girls come to you yet with the, I want the straight hair and I want my skin to be this color? Not that. Not that thank, so much. Thank God. We'll be, I'm very, I talk about how beautiful my daughter's skin is since the day she came. I mean, I don't even know if she knew what I was saying, but I've been <laughs> about her, her, cause my daughter's darker than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that I ha- I felt, I felt like I had to go even harder, mm-hmm. you know? And so no, my daughter definitely is proud of that. But the, the long hair and Sean and I were talking about this before you came about the whole princess thing uh, about, yeah. you know, the long hair and I told him how you went to the, to the black Target, basically, and the black Target only had white barbies. I Barbie. was so mad. How is a Target in the middle of Brooklyn not selling any dolls of color? Like, it was crazy to me. No, it's it's so important. And we only buy our daughters black and brown dolls. 100%. Because I, I was saying, like, they have all their life to, to, ha- to, to, to see European beauty standards and be... 
I hope not, but influenced by that. Yeah. Like, but I want to set that foundation now mm-hmm. where they see themselves and that's what they consider beautiful. And yeah. they, they can consider everything else beautiful, but I want them to look at themselves and be like, oh, no. Yeah. This is what I aspire to when be. When I posted about it on Instagram, I had someone send me a message and they were saying, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm not trying to be ignorant here. Okay. You know it's coming, <laughs> right? <laughs> when you start off like that, you're like, oh, right, oh yeah. here we go. Yeah. I'm not trying to be ignorant <laughs> here, right but <laughs> why does it matter if they don't have any black dolls? Was that a, was that a black person of color or is that? A white man. Of course not. Okay. Yeah. That right. was a white man. Um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that that was one of our first posts. Like, uh, like that was another thing. We we live in the valley in L.A. We both grew up under sort like being one of maybe three black kids. Um, we didn't. We grew up in the same place, but not as friends. But like elementary school, junior high, high school. There until I went. I went to Clark. Out. Mm-hmm. But I, that was mandatory for me. My parents were like, you have to go to HBCU mm. because this is not it. Um, but I I, I recognize how. Um, how delicate white feelings are, mm. how oblivious white feelings are, yeah. and it it I know that I need to work on it, but it, it enrages me. Yeah, it's that white fragility. Do you yeah. all know that book? Oh yeah, Oof. yeah, I love it. Um, uh, Robin D'Angelo, mm, I think. Um, but yeah, but I, I told the person like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna indulge you, you know, and and let me just help you understand. Why it matters that, you know, in the middle of black ass Brooklyn, you know, (laughs) that I can't find a doll for my child and Mm. and why that matters. And having raised four daughters now, I can't escape the uh, I want my hair to look like this. And and it's like you talked about being intentional. And I always felt like I was so intentional in raising them and still like. Every child, every last one of them comes up. I have to read the same books, have the same conversations. Mm. And it's because, in part, they can walk into Target and not see any dolls that look like them. And that means something. That is telling them who matters, who's important, who's beautiful, who's worth um, representing. Right? It doesn't come from nowhere. Mm. Absolutely. It's so important. And I know, like, Jamila, like, our friends be thinking we're crazy. They're like... Because I've had a few friends, and as has, as has she, buy our daughters white dolls. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, take this back. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're being extra. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll be extra. Because, <laughs> right. it, well, it takes being extra because, because all the pressure. It's you know? extra on its own. It's yeah. going right? to happen inevitably. She's going to go see him. I'm never going to not let her. If she wants to go see the movie, I'm going to let her see the movie. Right. You know, but like, also, I, I just, I want her first standard of beauty to be herself yeah Mm -hmm. just as much as you know the white kids they get they get that privilege but see that stuff is on default for them you know exactly from the princesses to the ads to the magazines it kind of defaults with that standard of beauty so we have to kind of operate outside of the system counteracting it from the beginning i got his mom his mom is a little white lady from kentucky okay (laughs) from from rural kentucky Kentucky. and you know when we had our first child almost 18 years ago now a daughter you know she would do the white doll thing but only for a little bit until i had to explain to her like i know what she looks like because our oldest daughter kendy is his same color, but she's going to grow up and, and be black and be considered black. And it's just important to me that, you know, she she has images that reflect that. And so now his mom, she will show up to rural Kentucky Walmart and show all the way out. She is the can I see your manager Ooh, <laughs> yes, about the dolls yes, not mama. being on the shelf now. Right. I love, I love that. Yeah. But it, Moana gets a And we need no, Moana. Moana yeah. She's like, she's indigenous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is kind of a scale of uh, it just it just depends. So Moana is. Kind of in the middle there. You know what? I, I have to check myself, though, because sometimes I can get really short and I can get really irritated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes people need the shortness and the irritation because they're just not going to get it. Mm-hmm. But I realize if I if I really, <sighs> I'm saying this reluctantly, if I really want my white friends to understand where I'm coming from, I have to chill. And I have, I mean, and I, I shouldn't have to, but like. Just like that book, that guy came scroll, like came not minding his business in your DMs, asking <laughs> really clear questions that are, you should probably just step out of yourself for eight seconds and realize. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes us to have these conversations. Right, it's a re-education. Well, well see, yeah. I ask people the question: Do do you want to be heard, or do you want to be effective? And mm-hmm. sometimes, 
sometimes you can be heard and be effective. Like just last week, you all know we were fighting to save this man, Rodney Reed, who's on death row. And we made hundreds of thousands of phone calls. And I give I give people instructions on how to make these calls. Yes, I followed and, them. And so <laughs> I tell people, I say, listen, I know you're angry. I know you're irritated. But I promise you, if you call and you're angry and irritated, it just doesn't work. It doesn't mean it's not true. But, like, if you are, if you're, if you're nasty, if you have an attitude, like, none of that stuff is effective in certain places. I'm not saying there's not a place for it. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you're actually trying to communicate a complicated truth that somebody leaves with, sometimes there's a place for attitude with that and sometimes not. And it just depends on what your goal is. Like, do you want somebody to just kind of feel your frustration in the moment? Then catch an attitude. Well, that's you know? that's immediately the, they're not going to hear you. It's going right. to go in and out the ear. It's, 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 I really, like, actually the other day, it's so funny. Did I tell you about this? I think I, my, so my, so my dad has a friend who he's a white man, grew up amongst only black people, only has black friends. And I've known this man for a long time. Um, and the other day I went to my little brother's football game and I heard him t- refer to himself as nigga. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who, who did now? The, the white, white man. What? That, who grew up amongst uh, black okay. people. Okay. Like, um, how did he say it? Was he like, this <laughs> nigga right here? Like, <laughs> yeah, he said something like, uh, <laughs> help a nigga out. Yeah, like, help a nigga out or some shit. <laughs> Like, something like that, right? So, at first, I was like, wait, did I? Wait, no, he couldn't have said that. Because I've been around him a lot, and I never heard him say that. So, then I heard him say it again. But we're, like, we're in a setting with my dad. I got my little brother. There's a lot happening. So, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to revisit this conversation with my father. Because my daddy for sure heard it and didn't say nothing. So, I'm confused. Mm. So, like, a few days later, my friend, who I love to death, shout out to Sebastian, he had posted some a girlfriend of his, and so my dad's friend follows him on Instagram, and been like, and was like, "Hey, who is she? Help a nigga out, like connect us." So my friend was like, uh, uh, "Excuse me, mm. what are you talking about?" Mm. And he was like, he didn't get it, mm-hmm. and he was like, "No, no, 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 like, I I grew up I grew up amongst black people, like I'm referring to myself, like." I don't understand. And then my, my boy, he just went off. Mm. Like, was like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And I had to come to, and then he mm. he hit me up, my dad's friend, and was like, I think I upset your friend. I really me- meant no malice. Like, I grew up amongst black people. I've been saying that word forever. I'm like, how the hell you ain't got your ass whooped yet? LA. Right? LA is good for that shit. Um. And, he was, and I was, he's like, you know what? You're so right. Like, I'm going to try not to say that anymore. I said, no, no, no. You're not going to try. You're just not going to say it. Yeah. It's no trying. You just don't say it anymore. Yeah. Also, um, you know, the climate has changed. Like It's changed people, so much. That's why it was so shocking to me that yeah. he's been navigating. And I had to call my father and be like, Daddy, how are you letting this man? How, you This don't look good for you. <laughs> <laughs> what did your dad say? Had he heard it? Well, he was like, you- my dad was like, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I know he says it, Erica. I know he shouldn't say it. I said, Daddy. Her dad's real chill. My dad, <laughs> my, he's, a, he's from Texas. My dad played in the NFL in the 90s, like was discriminated against all the time. So I was like, Daddy, if if this man is around you in front of other people saying this, that does not look good for you. Yeah, you got to call that yeah, out. Yeah, and right. I was like, and I'm... Look, I I don't want to be around that. And I love, I know that this man is not a racist, but, like, you're too comfortable. No, I know what, I, I know what that is. What it was is he was in communities where he got a pass. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, I don't even approve of the pass. Ain't no pass. But what he needs to understand is that that pass was geographically limited <laughs> to that little sliver of of, of his life. And that past does not transfer but to other places. But you know what? Like, I wonder know? if that's changing. Like, when I'm in schools now, um, particularly the middle schools that I'm in, especially in a place like Queens, where my cohort of schools have been, I hear kids of all races um, using the N-word with and around their black friends. And they, like you said, they use it to refer to themselves. Mm -hmm. They use it to refer to their friends. And their black friends, they don't take offense. It is just like, I'm wondering if this new generation, if it's becoming less our word, like something we can own. And because of like the proliferation of black music and rap, if... I don't know if the standards are changing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was in I was in the, the line at Crave on Ventura and granted in LA uh, 
It's different. I don't know why. Is it? I mean, L.A., I just, especially where we're from in the L.A., the Valley, I think it's true. Rap music, the culture, it's like people would like to associate nigga and black people as like a hip-hop culture. And, I mean, you've seen it. I mean, it's like something called, is it black fishing? Oh, yeah. What is that? Oh, you know, oh, oh no. girl. No. <laughs> so, so, like... They use the term black fishing. <laughs> He's perplexed. Um, so, like, okay, so social media, and there's all this, these makeup bloggers or whatever the hell, Instagram models, and there's a lot of women that are not black at all. Oh, yeah, getting, yeah, With yeah. the baby hairs and the lips and the cheeks and the very bronze makeup mm. where you could see a photo of a white woman or a non-black woman and be like, is she mixed or is she black? The baby hairs are on point. For like and nine see, months ago, and you're like, whoa, whoa that woman yeah. is from so, Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So now we're in. I mean, and we've always been in. Our culture is in. Our hip hop culture is in. Yeah. But it has become so mainstream that I think, unfortunately, which irritates my soul, um, is the younger generations don't really realize what what has come to come here Mm -hmm. and that there is this huge gap in history like oh that was so long ago like relax Jamila like you are stuck in a long no yeah like your grandmother's grandmother was not you know what I mean but they can't relate to that like it feels like such a long like you said a time long time ago and the gap is only getting wider and wider and so for a lot of these kids it's like nothing belongs just to us it all belongs to everybody the lips the 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 Booty, the mm-hmm. I rebuke it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree. No, I get it. I mean, yeah, for me, I was like, "Whoa, what? Huh? What'd you say?" Okay. Well, I was in line at Crave, and some like Latino guys behind me were like, "Yeah, nigga," and I turned around and I looked, mm-hmm. and they were like, just kept going, like didn't even care. And I was like, "Okay, I guess, I guess my my sharp eye didn't get the job." Wow. Yeah, I don't even let Sean use it. Right. Well, like, I, was, I was gonna ask. I, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Oh, well, uh, so you said you had beef with Drake. You had beef with all. Oh, like, like, what? You're just putting all my business oh, out there. Put right. it out. Put it out, baby. No, I think what you were saying is, it's like. I don't know. I'm on the fence about like. Wait, wait, when wait, wait. Can you use it? When can't you? Do you think that we as black people should not use it? Period. Or do you think if you're mixed, you shouldn't use it? No, no, I use it. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I just do. I grew up using it. I still use it. Um, sometimes I do slip and use it to my white friends. You know what I'm saying? Um, so no, I use it and I would never make the statement like mixed people. You can't use it. Right. (laughs) But it does make me feel a way every now and then. It's like, "Mm." well, I feel like sometimes mixed people, uh, don't identify as black. Mm. And if you don't identify as black, nigga, you don't, <laughs> need, you don't need to be dropping See, niggas. Listen, nobody's blacker than Sean on the inside, right? <laughs> and so, fine. And, and But he doesn't. It's not like he uses it. And I'd be like, what'd you say? Like, he, he doesn't, right? Like, I don't I don't, I don't, don't know if I can say that I've ever... Well, see, we, when we were growing up... See, I grew up in rural Kentucky. Like, it wasn't... Even folk just weren't using it in general. Like, it wasn't even... What? Nah. So did you grow? Did you guys? Are you guys from the same place in Kentucky? No. Okay. Mm-mm. We're almost. Almost. Okay. Yeah. So did you grow? We knew each did other you grow up, up mostly amongst? Uh, I grew white up in people. a predominantly. Yeah, I grew up in a predominantly white town in okay. rural Kentucky. She grew up in the next town over Lexington, but I mean, I grew up with almost exclusively black friends. I mean, there was a, a tight knit black community there. But mm-hmm. well, I have a question because I heard you say earlier that um, Sean's mom is a little white lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so growing up, and obviously we've done a little bit of research, <laughs> um, growing up like in a household with your, with your white mother, is she, was she a single mom? Single mother, single, sweet mother. I, and I talk about her in my book, like. Oh, that's coming out soon, Yeah, right? I have a book coming out in April mm-hmm. and I talk about how. Make Sean King change. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the, the, the book is called Make Change. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Yeah. But, um, in our house, I, I talk about this. I had this. I actually literally had this same conversation with Colin Kaepernick because he grew up in a white house with with white parents and white siblings, and my mother taught me nothing about race, racism. Like most white households, have a super low racial IQ, mm-hmm. and I, you know I say in the book that our children, even our young children, know, and not just because they're our children. The average black child grows up with a higher racial IQ than most white adults. Absolutely. Because for us, race is an everyday, all-day occurrence. Mm -hmm. So while we're talking about all the nuances of race, 
I might, growing up, my mom and I might have talked about race and racism like two or three times. Mm. I'm talking about 18 years. Mm. And Were so, you experiencing it outside of the household? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, it was a, a deeply racist town, but my mother had nothing for that. Like, she had no insights, and it was, it wasn't because she didn't care. It's like, to be white in America is to live in kind of such a bubble of privilege that you have very little understanding. And back then, there weren't even some of the books and texts and things. Like, this is pre-social media where you can follow the thought leaders and other people who can kind of school you on it. So, and your mom grew up in, in us to, you know, a huge degree in the same way in the era of treat everybody the same, right? Like, we're all equal. So while your mom wasn't talking about that's, that's race and racism, like, yeah, that's yeah. what you got. Like, we're all I don't see color. people. I, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she wasn't saying so much, I don't see color as much as, like, she taught me about fairness. She taught me about standing up for people. Like, a lot of my sense of justice I got from her. But when it comes to, at least in my generation or earlier, when it came to race and racism, I got very little. And she would say that. And she, I mean, she, I don't even think she would be embarrassed to hear it. Like, it, she taught what she knew. And so she taught me to treat people kindly no matter who they were. But that, that was like the extent of it. Do you have siblings? I have an older brother who just passed away last year. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Um, and so and he and I had different fathers. And so there was even that dynamic there. But I mean, growing up in in rural Kentucky, I mean, race and racism was a was a big deal. Of course, I could yeah. only imagine. Just not in your household. Yeah, I mean, it just just it was not just like in, an elephant outside of the house. Yeah, that that my mother was aware it existed, but there was very little she could do to prepare prepare me for what was out there in the world. And so I think you, I think there's going to be a generation of particularly white mothers raising black children who, I mean, there obviously there are, there's a whole litany of issues that come out of that, but one of the things is just the struggle to prepare that child for the world that they're going into, you know? Right. I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, A, I think I want, you guys have, you guys have kids. You guys have how many kids? Five. Five kids. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like you said, in the, in the black community, especially in the work that you do, that's some like these conversations are constantly coming up. And like, I think just being black, period, especially, you know, there are things that you inevitably learn. You know, maybe you don't walk outside at night with a hood on. Maybe you don't drive with a, a fitted cap on. Um, and then I, so when especially in L.A., interracial dating is huge. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. You know, love people, love who you love. But when you have white parents raising non-white children, black children in particular, and you're raising them to think there is no color and you're mm-hmm. a mixed boy or you're a mixed girl. That's just, I feel like it's such a disservice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're going to go out into the real world and be effing shocked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wait. Well, white people often think their whiteness is going to protect those children, mm-hmm. right? And they so do. their proximity to to whiteness means, like, you're okay. I have a friend um, and her father um, lives in like rural Texas or whatever, and um, but he has a black grandson who was adopted. Now this father is like a Trump supporter, loves Fox News or Oof. whatever. And my girlfriend is always like, "But what about your black grandson, right?" And he's just and she's just like, "You know, what are you gonna do when he comes to visit you? And you know, he's in your neighborhood, and and somebody stops him or looks at him different, like Trayvon Martin." And he's and and so the father's just like, "Oh well, you know, I know." everybody I'll just go tell them you know beforehand like hey this is my grandson you know and she's just like do you hear yourself right now like that you even have to go through that doesn't that tell you something that that is what's required in order for your black grandson to be safe in your own neighborhood here's how I would compare it like it wasn't until until we got married and then even when our daughters got older Men, men, for instance, have very little understanding of what women deal with day to day to day. Like I, because I, I literally never experience the harassment or the, here in New York, the cat calling. Like women don't do that to men in New York. <laughs> I've never experienced it, and so it wasn't until my wife and kids would come home, my wife and teenage daughters would come home and say, "This happened" or "That happened." 
that I started to understand. And so what you get is a relatively good natured white man who has, again, like a the equivalent of like a first grade IQ on things of race. Like they literally don't understand it in the same way that it's taken me being deliberate to understand like, oh, shit, this is what women deal with you know, 18 hours a day. Like I, I told this story before that this was uh, uh, Soledad O'Brien was the lead anchor on CNN in the morning. And I went in to the studios. I think I was here in New York to the studios to see her. And she explained this is like was at the height of her career at CNN. And she told me that to that very day when she wanted a story to get approved by her bosses, that she would ask some of her white male friends to pitch the story as if it was their idea. Mm. And I had a thought like, holy shit, this is Soledad O'Brien. She had won all the awards. She was the lead anchor on the morning show. And she told me, she said it was, it was equal parts because she was a woman at CNN and all the decision makers were men. And because she was a black woman at CNN and like this notion that there are just levels and layers of sexism in society, men don't understand it. And that's helped me communicate to other people like, hey, this is also what white folk are dealing with, that when they make a comment on Instagram like, hey, I'm sure I'm being ignorant, but can you explain this to me? It is no, they are literally ignorant to it. And so the question comes like, who's going to educate them? And... Is that our responsibility? And if not, whose responsibility is it? You know? Right. No, know. And, and and that's even with going back to my, my dad's friend and my other friend being so upset, I was like, I know you're upset, but let's use this as an opportunity. He is open to learning. He wants to learn. Mm-hmm. He's apologetic and he wants to know how he can fix it, you know? And th- that's all you can hope for, yeah. honestly. I yeah, mean, because seriously. nine times out of ten, it's like, well, <laughs> Right. Fuck you. This right. is what I don't. I didn't do nothing wrong. Yeah. You know. So unfortunately, I mean, yeah. I, I appreciate. I have to appreciate the mm. fact that he wants to learn. That I mean, and and that that in itself is you know a little sad. But it's such a low bar. But that, right. Right. Bar. But right. like, but that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So I don't know. Um. Well, we um we got. We got really into our conversation early. <laughs> um, we usually play a game with our guests to, to get to know them, but we've obviously done some research, so we, like, <laughs> got ahead of ourselves. But we play a game called Trigger, and the game is we'll say a word, and you just say, like, your first instant response. Oh. And it's just called Trigger. Okay. So I th- since you're both here, I think we're going to just bounce back and forth. So Sean answers, you answer, and this is Trigger. Okay. 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 Hold on. Are we answering the same question? No. Okay. So I'll say, it's I'll just say, a one word. I'll say Whatever a word. Whatever then comes to mind first. Okay. okay. And then you'll say one to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Okay. So I'll start with Sean. Love. Hate. Marriage. Hard. Purpose. Just life. College. Bellman. <laughs> I was going to say expensive. Still paying it off. Student loans. <laughs> Black women. Love. Pet peeve. Lying. Favorite food. Uh, cookies. I mean, I've, I've, gotten, I've gotten real into a certain type of cookie <laughs> that we have cookies? here. <laughs> They're Tate's, Tate's cookies that I love. Oh, those are thin yeah. ones? Yeah, these yes, thin cookies. Yes, I know those yeah. ones. <laughs> uh, United States. Crazy. Pregnancy. Oh, that's that's tricky. I'm not a one word guy, so <laughs> it's hard for me to put one word on anything. Name a kid you or something. Uh, uh, no, they were they were hard, but they were beautiful. I said beautiful. Okay. Reality TV. Stupid. Worse. Wor- yes. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> Worst habit. Oh, wow. You see, this is hard for me. Clearly. This is hard for me. Yeah. He's a deep thinker I'm, over here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, worst habit. Oh, wow. Uh, Ray, you could probably answer that 
on me better than I can answer for Boy, myself. Oh, that's right. We did discuss today how um, not self-aware you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, what yeah. this is. Yeah. Um, uh, worst habit. Uh, I don't know. Oh, my cars, my cars stay junky. Oh. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, super junky. Guilty. Welcome to Jamila. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, best memory? Um, Jamaica. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> trying. She's trying. Parenthood. Um, tricky. Sex. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Instagram. Um, fun. Equality. Goal. Boxers or briefs? <laughs> uh, briefs on him. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda Seals. Mm, I got words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you handle it. It's judgmental. White women. <laughs> um, ooh. Um, ooh. How do I say this? Problematic. Cannabis. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is just weed. Just weed. Yeah. <laughs> just weed. Uh, drink of choice. Newbie. <laughs> oh, oh, alcoholic drink? Yeah. Yeah, just like iced tea, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I love amaretto sours. No, um, what what is it called? Um, Aperol sour. Oh, yeah. Ooh, or Aperol you... spritz, you mean? No, nah, no, that's what most people think. No, I like an Aperol sour. Oh, no, I gotta try that it's one. Very European of you. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who doesn't like to drink. <laughs> Favorite music genre? Uh, Hip hop. Favorite rapper? Nas. Black Lives Matter. Mm, it's a baby. Baby. Childhood. Jump rope. Rodney Reed. Mm, just think justice. Biggest regret. <laughs> um, oh, taking over Sean's Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded better than it turned yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Trump, the asshole. Biden, oh, God, um, give up. Yeah, Warren, smart. Sanders, cool. Kamala. I wish somebody, I wish, I wish you had gotten this one. <laughs> uh, you can answer for him. Senator. I think Senator. Rihanna. Um, smells great. <laughs> you know what? Everyone says that. Really? You know yeah, what? It's like, it, it's like a thing. It is a thing. And I didn't know that when we went to the Diamond Ball, my, my um, teenagers were, were like, did she smell good? And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, mom, it's a whole thing. And I was like, she smelled really good, actually. <laughs> Rihanna, what are you wearing? Right? I know. She wouldn't have come out with a new like a, a line of sense. <laughs> um, LGBTQ plus. Uh, just equality. Favorite movie? Oh, John should have gotten this one. I hate movies, but I'm going to go with... some favorites. Um, I like school. Boys in the Hood. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Tupac or Biggie? Um, Biggie. What? Yeah. I like them both. I like them both, but I'm more of a Biggie guy. Religion. Can I repeat a word? Or sure, yeah, go Problematic. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Jay-Z or Nas? Um... Jay-Z. Damn, y'all yeah. still married? I thought Jay won the battle. And, you know, I've been a little frustrated with Jay-Z lately, but hip-hop, I would pick Jay-Z. Oh, okay. Are you frustrated because yeah. of his NFL decisions? Yeah, I'm frustrated with a lot of those NFL decisions. I, outside of that, I don't have a whole lot of complaints. But Trump or Bush? Bush, <laughs> for sure. Monogamy? <laughs> oh, faith, just faithfulness is what comes to mind. Colorism. Ooh, colorism. Um, um, outdated. Black men. Mm. 
Trying to sum it up in one word. Wow. <laughs> I was gonna say hardworking, but oh no. Yeah, hardworking. Single mom. Respect. New York. Crowded. <laughs> LA. Fake. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, that's my favorite. I love LA. Word. It's all the ones that are from there, I swear. <laughs> uh Kaepernick. Courageous. Worst decision. Oh man, worst decision. Lord, we've made so many of them. So, uh, most of the worst decisions I made and 100%. You just had to live with the, yeah, my worst that decisions. Is true, so that maybe true. maybe your word is Sean. Oh, no. not, not the choosing me, but I definitely <laughs> no, made it. No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. Um we turned out all right. Yeah. Um worst decision, I would say that time we moved to Kentucky for a few months. <laughs> that was a really bad decision. It was. parents had just passed away so we were in our feelings like we had not lived at home since we left for college and I think we were just like nostalgic and it lasted for a few months and then we are like I'm out yeah 100% where did we we move from Kentucky we went from Kentucky to New York oh the first time Mm -hmm. insecurity Mm. I'm I'm terrible at this (laughs) it's hard it is hard Um, we're almost done Insecurity. It's a process. Gary Webb. I don't know who that is. Oh. You know who that is? It's a, a journalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Is he talking bad about us? No. <laughs> no. I'm like, should She's we like, know him for, for that reason? Let me write this down. No, um... Actually, they made a they made a movie about him. I watched but, it, but you didn't watch it. Yeah. Did he get killed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. He, he's, he, um... He allegedly, he, he was one of the big reporters that outed uh, Reagan for basically inventing the w- war on drugs. I remember that. And, movie. and uh, mm-hmm. conveniently, seven years after he was, um, he stepped down from his, uh, the, the editor or whatever, as, as a writer, he was, he's committed suicide by gunshot twice. Right. Which is twice in the head. Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> No, I love Gary Webb, though. Yeah, he was a courageous journalist, great journalist. You knew him? No, no, oh. just loved his work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God. Whose turn is it? Yours? Uh, real. Fear? Um, useful. Freedom. Hard. It's hard-earned. And that's it. Yeah. Okay, can I fix something? Yeah. <laughs> I want to fix, fix L.A. I don't mean to say that. Oh, no, girl, you ain't the first one. It's cool. It's well, fake. It's we fake lived in California for about three years in Orange County. Um, and, and I would say, like, I thought the people were so nice and, like, really polite. Really? But I did. I really did. <laughs> I thought, no, like, everybody was, like, surface, surface level. Yeah, like, hey. And yeah. then they'll talk shit when you walk out the room. Right? Or just, like, we should get together, but they don't mean yeah. that. Yeah. So, that, like, that's what I'm referring to. Those are tra- There's a lot of transplants. And it is very fake. It's, I mean, shit. It's where, we're, I mean, not where we come from, but, like, you know, the Kardashians, Calabasas. It's very, like. It's just, I think people move to L.A. with this idea of what Hollywood is supposed to be. Mm. And then they act a certain way. And I'm like, what is this? I guess this is, this is what <laughs> Hollywood is. It looks like, yeah, it looks mm. like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite interaction, I mean, in interpretation. Oh, wow. Those are triggers brought up so many questions. <laughs> I know we only have so much time. Um, and anything you want to touch on? Go ahead. Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously, okay, let's be real. This whole Rodney Reed, which big ups to you. That was an amazing outcome that he, I was really nervous. I was just like, I I was like, please, God, please, God, let this man, let these people have a soul and, 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 and. Do the right thing. It went so long with nobody saying, saying anything. anything, right? Well, I was like yeah. on the Instagram to like, listen here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you look in the mirror tonight and look into your soul. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if he's well, see, read the this. thing is, the the governor was the attorney general for years before he became governor, and so he was a prosecutor, an attorney, attorney general, and became governor. So he he understands the power of holding those cards very close to your chest. He gave no clues, no indications. Like we even had people on the back end that were con- 
he said nothing to nobody. And we were told he never made a decision, actually. So even though Rodney Reed's execution was stopped, it wasn't because the governor signed it. The courts intervened. And I, I actually have known Amanda off and on for several years. I showed, uh, I showed Ray some tweets where she had posted <laughs> several years ago where she thought I should win a Pulitzer Prize. And my beef was not so much with her. Like, her shtick is she flips on the camera and, and gives her thoughts on something. It just so happened that the thing she flipped her camera on to talk about had major consequences. This is a man who is still on death row. And I got the impression that she had searched Twitter and Google for maybe 30 or 40 minutes and saw some BS and then filmed her video. And there were lots of horrible inaccuracies in the video. And my major beef with it was that when her video went viral, for a lot of people, it was their first time hearing these things she was sharing about Rodney Reed, and they just weren't true. And and it's actually dangerous for Rodney Reed. So I, I get her wanting to share her views, but if the governor and the other people who make decisions about Rodney Reed, if they really get the impression that millions of people don't give a shit if he lives or dies, mm-hmm. it it changes the burden on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in in just kind of a, a fun nine-minute video, she caused a lot of people to say, oh, I don't really care anymore. Right. He doesn't deserve yeah, and here's the thing. less attention. Yeah, and it was just, just the level of misinformation, right? So, like, you're going to ask questions and pose things and introduce all this doubt in there. You know, don't say things like he killed somebody who is literally still alive. You know what I'm saying? And then other people after that were saying, well, Sean, you never disclosed this. When literally on his Instagram, he addressed it several times, showing clips of Dr. Phil talking about it, showing clips of the woman's friend talking about it. So to act like, you know, he was hiding this information because he... Him alone. Right. Come on. Like, are you serious right now? No, here's the thing. The Innocence Project has had Rodney's case for 18 years. They have more integrity, more decency... Almost 95% of the cases that try to get covered by the Innocence Project, they decline. They they are putting their full weight behind Rodney's case. And so there are these open accusations against Rodney that they refuse to prosecute him for. And Dr. Phil kind of brashly confronted Rodney on all of those things. And Rodney said to Dr. Phil what his attorneys say, like, please take me to court on any of these So what the prosecutors like to do, they like these allegations to just float around and create a negative impression, but they won't actually charge or try him with it. And what people say that's just complete misinformation is that once you're in jail or once you're on death row, that you never go to court for anything. It's not true. I literally talked to legal experts who said three or four hundred people a day across the country are pulled out of jail for other crimes and go back to court. And so it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Rodney is saying please take me to court on each of these. Please show us the rape kits, release this evidence. And the prosecutors and police have said that they've lost most of the evidence, that it's been destroyed. Of course. And so all that happens now is they just weaponize it to cause him harm. And it does cause him harm. It causes people to say, like, I don't don't know. And in this case, anybody who looks at this case has real doubt. But then you float this other randomness out there that he's never been convicted of. It just causes a lot of doubt. And I think what hurt me most about what she said is that it really bothered Rodney Reed's family, it, who is stressed beyond measure. This is not, this for them is not a trending topic. This is this not. This is their life. Yeah, this is. This what it's is, been for yeah, the whole time he's been in prison. Yeah, we know his mother, Sandra. This is her son. Right. This is somebody, you know, we're connected here at this table in part because we're parents. And I had the thought and not to like pull the parent card. I saw a lot of people talk about Rodney Reed and I could tell the difference between who had kids and who didn't. Mm -hmm. And I found a lot of people talking real flippantly about him that didn't have kids. And I still even though he Rodney Reed is older than me. Having met his mother, this is her baby. 
And, um... Well, listen. I have things to say. Y'all don't got me with this mm. wine. Was that on purpose? We just be drinking wine in all of our podcasts. Uh, I was like, let's, let's, let's make us feel comfortable. Right. And I was like, I'm about to say some things. Like, why am I about to say that? Like, no, I'm a little more don't careful. Don't be crazy. No, don't I'm be not going to be crazy. No, no. But I do, I, to Sean's point about people who have children and, and who don't, I've often felt that way even about um, people who had spouses and who didn't. And, and the way that... They could talk about Sean and say things about him and then not expect me to respond Mm. or come to his defense or even my own defense and say, you know, oh, she's fighting his battles. It's like, you don't understand what it's like to have a spouse then. like my husband. Right? For real. And like a husband that I've been with since I was 15 years old. So I've seen every, you know, iteration of this man, Mm. know the ins and outs. And so like, what do you expect? expect really like I'm just gonna keep allowing you to to say all these things and then the minute that I enter into the fray all of a sudden you know um he's letting me fight his battles like no it doesn't work like that they're our battles uh, right, yeah, right 100% percent you are a unit I mean I'm, I mean I'm, it's fortunately and unfortunately we live in a world of social media that can be used for good like you've used it yeah, but yeah. also there's these People that become, and I, I don't want to say like insta activists, mm. but like people that, and 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 there is a there's good behind it because they're becoming more socially aware. They're educating themselves. They're not always educating themselves in the proper way, mm-hmm. but they have these platforms like Amanda where she can she can go off and people because they trust her and because mm-hmm. you know she is a black woman. She's and, a familiar and face. That and she's also she's she's an incredible woman in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so they trust her. Yeah. So when, so when they hear something like this and then she has her following, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Right. It gets tricky, right? Like you don't know who to believe, right? Exactly. You have these people out here that you, you trust, you follow them, you believe what they have to say about black lives matter. You believe what Amanda has to say about black women and, and, and how we rock and all those kinds of things. And so it makes it really tricky when they, when they say these other things, it's like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not like just outright trolls. You know what I'm saying? That you can dismiss so easily. I just feel like when you have a platform, whether you be a comedian or a rapper or, you know, whatever you do, especially as black people, there's a responsibility to do some research. I mean, mm. I feel like even with Kanye, you know, mm. he makes great music. That's great. But then you go sit down with Trump and you wear this dumbass hat. Then, then I have to question if I like your music. Right. <laughs> because you're playing in a field that you don't need to play in. Yeah. You need to have a seat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was no real, like, that whole thing, there was no real angle just to be annoying. I keep waiting for one. Like, no, don't girl. you keep, wa- like, I'm just like. I've been waiting. It's, 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 I'm like, it's so coming. There's a, there's a secret meeting that's going to happen. No. It's going to help us. The right. angle. <laughs> no, like, you know what? The angle is the yeah. church. He's going to help us do something Right. Better. I, yeah. I actually like to really break it down. I think, you know, Obama was caught on on uh, audio calling Kanye a jackass. <laughs> this was <laughs> when he when Obama was pre- Obama was still president. Yeah, great. And they had canceled. Also, there was something that Kanye was going to perform at that they ended up not doing. I I honestly think that it just mattered to Kanye that he got a little bit of love and attention from Donald Trump. You think it was that simple? Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was. I, I think so. I think, I think, I mean, people said it was like a publicity stunt, and I hate to use that word because you would think that, like, you're Kanye West. Do you really need to have a publicity stunt? How about just keep delivering good music, nigga? Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's so detrimental. I think it's so detrimental when we have a president that's literally, like, endorsing concentration camps mm. and babies are being murdered and taken and separated from their families. Yeah. And then you go and wear his hat and go sit down and have a meeting. I don't, I can't endorse that. Right. I can't endorse. It's hard for me to like your music now because you're endorsing something. You don't really even know why you're endorsing it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. support people that look like you. Yeah. And the struggle. And I, that's an issue. And even like with Amanda. And wait, and then also you have children. And then you have children, black Black children. children. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, like I know there was a comment recently about you telling, saying about Kim, like, she likes being on camera. I didn't think there was anything wrong with that comment. I thought it was a little mean. Yep, we're ending this week's episode right here. So make sure you tune in next week to hear Sean's response and listen to part two of our Sean King, Ray King episode. But if you can't wait, you can watch this entire episode 
right now on patreon.com search good moms to find out what sean's response was and a special special shout out to our sponsor puzzle huddle now you know us at good moms we only fuck with brands that we actually use and puzzle huddle is a brand that is a staple in our house my daughter loves puzzles by puzzle huddle because they have images that look like her so if you're looking for a family activity for the holidays that has you and your diverse family in mind make sure to check out puzzle huddle it's a black owned family business created by matthew goines and his beautiful wife who grew frustrated with the lack of diverse images shown in commercially produced puzzles. They are so proud to provide you with puzzles that showcase inclusive images that our children, my children personally, and others will enjoy. And you know, not only do puzzles encourage motor skills, problem solving, and discipline, Puzzle Huddle pushes for the narrative that representation matters because it does y'all from black scientists the first black female president black santa puzzle huddle lets your beautiful children see themselves in important and meaningful spaces so make sure you check them out at puzzlehuddle.com check out their instagram at puzzle huddle and you know if you're looking for an amazing gift for the holiday make sure you check them out. They're always doing great, great holiday deals on their website. And I know that your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, your baby mamas, they're all going to appreciate this brand. So check them out. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Swimming, 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 swimming.